Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio. I'm Valerie Bowling. I am pleased to share a session from DFARM 2018, where Pfizer's Michael Koo presented on blockchain and their forward-thinking work digitizing supply chain for clinical trials. When you have a chance, check out the speakers for DFARM 2019, which is taking place September 17th and 18th in Boston. DFARM is an innovation event specializing in clinical trials. Enjoy the podcast. Yeah, it's really nice to be back in Boston. Um, for those who are from the area, uh, I've actually started my pharmacy career here a few years ago, and the optimal world is few. Uh, just actually a few blocks from here, um, down on Huntington Ave at a hospital called New England Medical Center. For those who have been around Boston quite a bit, it's been known as NEMIC, or coincidentally with that term NEMIC comes those who have been here around to know what the term the combat zone is all about. So with that, um, you know, that hospital that I started my pharmacy career is now called Tufts Medical Center. And with that, part of the tenets of supply chain for me at Pfizer has been based on being on the other side of the fence, as we say, taking care of patients one day at a time, and then coming to industry, trying to make a bigger impact on the lives of a lot of patients through supply chain. So next, I was going to pull to see how many actually have heard of blockchain before you came to DFARM, but I saw the hands go up, so a few. And I think the other piece would have been exactly, aside from hearing about it, how well can you explain a use case? And part of the use case, I would have said, was if you can explain to somebody who's a total stranger in this audience, can you explain a use case that's not tied to Bitcoin, which sounds to be the thing that everybody leverages blockchain, and also supply chain? And so knowing that I think for the hands that went up, it was even a smaller amount of people that raised their hands to be able to explain it. I'd like to give you a little bit of a case example uh, in a few words that at least takes you away from what we're talking about. And we'll bring it back, and hopefully you'll connect the dots. Starting with, you know, at least for the most part, for those who live in the U.S., you probably have in your lifetime at some point, or soon to be, make one of your probably largest purchase in your lifetime. And that purchase typically is not from Amazon, but typically something of a property purchase, a home, a condo, some property that's going to cost a lot of dollars or euros or other denomination. And in that process of acquiring that property, I'm sure it's never stressful, correct, for those who've gone through it? I certainly remember several times going through that, that after you get past the selection process of finding that ideal home for you and your family, <clears throat> and then, of course, the hard part of actually negotiating the price that really settles the score, you get the fun, stressful part of finding the way to get to that closing event, that event that I'm sure resonates with all of you because it was so simple and easy, correct? Meeting that lawyer and actually having to figure out, and in my case, not so long ago, having to initial all those papers, every page, and not make a miss, and ultimately trying to figure out to make sure that the property that I purchased is really going to be mine, fully free and clear. And as you all know, for those who've been through the process, there's this process called title search, and ultimately figuring out the word lien. What is that all about if you've never purchased? And how complicated and stressful that process is that you actually have to actually get what we call a title insurance to just make sure 
it's certain that there's nothing else behind the scenes. So when we talk about blockchain, there is that opportunity in that case to disrupt the way we handle paper. I heard yesterday that's a flammable object, right? So the fact that somebody looks at it, burns it up, nobody really knows when somebody looked at it. But in this case of property, an example, if we're able to digitize that process and put it in what we call a ledger that is very transparent, there might be a way for us to not have to go and spend that much time and money in a lawyer's office, as well as have the fear that somewhere along the way, the property we purchased isn't fully ours. So that's sort of the hope of blockchain, to think about what we can do. And the hope someday is to make life a little bit less stressful. And as you heard yesterday from our colleague from Estonia, they're trying to give people like us a few more hours back to not be stressed. So in that process, as we go through, uh, I'd like to actually show you what I'm going to go over in the next few minutes, which is the fact that you know, there are challenges in supply chains that are probably much more complicated than that real estate example. But how do we look at it from our industry to go through where Pfizer is what we call daring to try, to see and experiment and explore the possibility of this technology you heard from Mark from Amazon that you know, it's still in its early infancy. But the question is, we're daring to try to explore the possible, the possible benefits of that technology as a bigger picture of our digital landscape. So we'll go through that uh, momentarily. But remember, the big piece for me is you know, I'm that pharmacist that somehow made it from New England Medical Center, Tufts, all the way to a few other pharma companies before landing at Pfizer. Actually, I've been at Pfizer now seven years, and I know some of my colleagues here have got a lot more years than me, and I always remember my first day at Pfizer, and it was October 31st, 2011. Almost seven years, right? But boy, that was an interesting day, thinking about coming to work on Halloween and wondering whether I was going to see a lot of costumes at Pfizer that day. But it's been such a great experience for me to know that I have colleagues with me on this journey willing to dare to try to look at technology and innovation to find a way to make a big impact on the patients we serve and ultimately their families. So back to being a pharmacist. So if anybody's taking note, I said few years. So I started officially as a pharmacist in 1994, got that license that gave me the right to, to deal with drugs legally, as we say. Right? And with that, comes the definition of supply chain I'd like to share with you when I started at Pfizer seven years ago of what supply chain, the clinical supply chain, means to me. And it really resonates based on my background. So my definition of the clinical supply chain, unlike potentially a few of my peers and counterparts, is from the time we actually plan and manufacture our active pharmaceutical ingredient or our drug substance and biologics, all the way to the point where we pack, label, ship, but it doesn't stop there. My definition goes all the way to the point where a patient takes the right product at the right time, at the right temperature, and at the right dose. That is a definition of supply chain from a leader in supply chain that you probably don't hear as often, because we always say that that's somebody else's expectation or responsibility. It could be inside your company or outside. But for me, being a pharmacist, that is central to the culture we have at Pfizer about talking about a very patient-focused supply chain. And when we say patient-focused, 
that includes healthcare providers, caregivers, the patients itself, or when you hear the term patients first. So what you'll see in a few slides is how we imagine technology innovation like blockchain, as well as the digital landscape, to deliver that patient-focused need that we all are hopefully in this room today. So supply chain, it sounds like a big word, but there's lots of things that are still challenges in this day and age. Very envious that Amazon was ahead of me. I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing to come after Amazon, because I'm assuming we've got lots of examples we'd like to be Amazon-like in some aspect. So it starts with complexity. A big challenge still in this day and age is just the global nature of supply chain and the level of intermediaries that we have. It could be as so simple as a country as an intermediary. And how we're able to connect the dots is not so easy in such a global supply chain. So complexity is one part of the challenges still to this day is a big piece. Opacity or the lack of transparency. If we think about transparency and the word traceability, the ability for us to have traceability in the end-to-end -end supply chain that I just defined for you, how we actually do that in a more effective way, we're always searching for an ability to do that. Fourth piece, the inefficiencies of our system, right? A very long supply chain. We have probably a lot of costs. But I'm sure this doesn't happen to any of you, but the word legacy systems. How's that ring for anybody, right? Systems that don't talk to each other. That should not ever happen to all of you, like us at Pfizer, correct? So the inefficiencies of the network and the data and the handoffs are really, really a big challenge in large, complex supply chains. And last but not least, the lack of trust. And that lack of trust could be all the stakeholders in that ecosystem. That could be the regulators, that could be the patients, that could be the sponsors, that could be the CROs, the CMOs. If you think about supply chain, because it is long, global, and challenging, there's just that whole possibility for us to really look at technology to figure out how to solve this challenge. And obviously, blockchain is sort of that hope. It's not been completely proven yet, but we have to dare to try. So what is blockchain? I think the key definition that you might have heard is that it's a decentralized, distributed, and tamper-proof, or they like to use the word immutable. And that repository allows us to see a lot of pieces. And what does that look like? It allows transparency, it allows auditability, it allows disintermediation, taking out some of the middle activities that really probably add inefficiencies, cost, and time. And of course, we all want to deliver velocity in our clinical trials. And I define velocity is speed with purpose. And obviously, the purpose still is the patience at the end of that supply chain. And last but not least, trust. The ability for us to trust that what we say we do is what we actually do. I'll give you a fun fact. For those of you who've got their phones, and I know, you know Twitter's on, I guess you can Google as well. But one fun fact about blockchain that tells you about where it's heading is a matter of investment. So if you look from 2016 to 17 to present day, the amount of financial investments by venture capitalists in this area, which is usually a good starting indicator about the possibility of disruptive innovation, you would find when you Google it that in 2016 alone, there was about 
$500 million worth of investment in this space of blockchain. Fast forward to last year, 2017, that number has grown to about $900 million. That's not just in blockchain alone, because obviously that seems to be where it's heading in terms of where people are commonly looking at, but the underlying blockchain has a lot more potential. So fast forward to 2018. Well, I don't have the current total for today, but there was a published report for the first five months alone of investments by VCs. And take a guess what the number was. It was 1.3 billion, that's billion with a B, not Bitcoin, but billion with a B for just the first five months of the year. So if you want a leading indicator about potential disruptive innovation, and I think that's why all of you here are at DFARM, there is the potential that you need to explore what blockchain could possibly do to solve some of the challenges that we have. So as we evolve the evolution of supply chains, we talk about traditional supply chains that are mostly the physical supply chain, right? The ones that you typically see happen when you receive a package. But what it's evolving to now is this convergence of what I call both the physical and digital supply chain, what I call the digital clinical supply network. And you can see there that potentially blockchain could be a critical component of that ecosystem, that network. And things that you see about the connected consumer, you guys all have smartphones and maybe Apple watches and a few other things, the future of work and also the future of how we manufacture all of these things all come together, and there is just that possibility that blockchain could be that other component that makes it all happen. So I leave you with that key take-home message, at least on this slide, that says as we go both from the physical to the digital supply chain, this network is what all supply chains, whether in pharma or already like Amazon, heading to these digital network ecosystems, and blockchain could be an underpinning to that. So this slide just gives you a nice way to compare the left side of the column to the right side of the column. The core needs in a clinical supply to deliver those clinical trials to the definition I said, getting it to the patient at the right place, right time, right temperature, and right dose, we want to be able to have visibility. And so we talk about visibility of activities. So we want to make sure we're in a highly regulated industry, the ability for us to actually document transactions, but also what blockchain does is it allows us to detect anomalies, let's just call it, right? The whole point, you can light a paper and you don't know who actually looked at it, but when it's digital, the possibility of blockchain is for us to actually know who looked at one, when, and where, and did we give them permission, like in the Estonia case, did we allow them to look at our medical records, let alone change it? So if you look at the visibility, that's a big piece. Flexibility makes sense, we want agility. We want to have the ability to go with faster velocity, decrease cost, and actually create these contracts, as you can see on the right side. Collaboration, there's a lot of partners in this space. So to do that, you have to have some kind of a platform. And one of the big pieces that allows us in blockchain to change that is the fact that there's just a lot of different systems along the way. And last but not least, the control of the process, which is really, really critical to how we do things. So making it real for Pfizer, how does it look? Our first step is to contain it within our Pfizer ecosystem. First, for Pfizer, we actually have what we call a Pfizer Clinical Research Unit, 
where it is where we do our phase one trials. So we have an ecosystem within ours that we can leverage to enable personas of activities to actually document those transactions, even though we also have lots of legacy systems. But what the big piece for that is that we've used this playbook in partnership with Rob Goodwin from our global product development or Hal Gregg from our business technology. That collaboration has allowed us to develop innovative mobile apps that has already been launched in the App Store. But this is the next playbook that we're going to look at, is to experiment and figure out how to lose blockchain. So the goal for us is we started with this near term within Pfizer to figure out how that works. As you saw in the blue slides before, just lighting up a little bit of that ecosystem. As we go through, we want to enable the other stakeholders in that, whether it's the packaging companies, the 3PLs, the third-party logistic vendors, or the sites. But really, the goal is to make it an industry-wide solution and to make sure that we enable all the players. And as Rob had said yesterday in his talk at Pfizer, we feel that we're not about doing things that are quite honestly pre-competitive in nature. To enable the efficiency to deliver the products to the patient, we actually need a whole ecosystem to be there. So at Pfizer, we, our goal is to create an industry-wide where we can enable everybody to be part of something to deliver the value that we're looking for. And to do that, that will yield the solutions in much more greater value than just us alone. So the goal for us, and you see here, is the blue is to light up all of those pieces and actually focus as well on the regulators, but also as the patients. I think you've heard the, the fact that you know, patient data is the connectivity to potentially the back end of when we create a supply chain that makes, delivers, and ultimately consumes a product. So a key important for us in this future state, as you've heard from some of the Pfizer colleagues and others, is to enable that ability to get that information on the back end for the patient to authorize those abilities. So this is our five-year vision to be able to hopefully deliver that and deliver a more industry-wide solution. So what's in our digital landscape to close out a few things? In addition, why blockchain is so important is that, ironically, there's a group, a not-for-profit group called GS1. It's a standards organization. And you think about scalability, you need standards. And GS1 is, is a company that helps set standards for the barcodes that you get for commercial products, specifically, for example, commercial pharmaceutical products. But you would think, you know, you'd have one already for the clinical space. Ironically, in 2018, we still don't have one. But a few of us in 2017, the likes of Amgen, Lilly, Merck, Pfizer, and Dana-Farber, just down the street, put out a white paper on GS1 to create a standard that can help not only create the barcode, so when a product goes to a site, we know whose it is, and maybe only create one app for all companies, is the ability for us to also put that standards to sensors like Internet of Things, to be able to use AI machine learning to develop better insights to get better foresight, to use mobile apps and actually get more data to allow us to leverage blockchain, to use wearables and make sure that we can get data from different sources to put it all together, to use voice assistance, a cell plug for Alexa, but Google or Siri and others, to be able to get us the ability to not only pull information, but push it to the folks that need it. And really, unmanned aerial vehicle, AKA drones, uh, a passion of mine as well as to think about how to do this. So I'm gonna leave you with a few things left to close off. How do new and existing supply chain players create and join a blockchain ecosystem? And what does that mean? Well, it will actually decrease complexity. We wanna use new data sources like IoT so that we can easily integrate and that allows us to increase efficiency. 
we want to allow, in the ideal state, the patient control of their own data and permission it. And really, what does that give an example of? Increased transparency. And last, if we create an incentive model that's across industry, we can create and encourage adoption into this industry-wide solution, and that increases trust. So I'm going to part with one thing that you can take away from all the things I've said to you in just these few minutes. It is actually a word that I just heard, a unique definition. And that word is exploration. And the definition I heard of the word exploration is defined as curiosity in action. And I think for all the folks here at DFARM, you are hopefully explorers. So I'll leave you with this, that you should, in every right, explore blockchain. Because we owe it to not only deliver high-quality clinic supplies or investigation products for our patient, but I think we have to also remember that not only are we delivering that product, we're also delivering hope. The hope for our patients and their families to do the right thing, to leverage technology to make things easier to get done, and to hopefully make an impact in the clinical trial space. We hope you enjoyed the podcast from DFARM 2018. DFARM 2019 takes place September 17th and 18th in Boston, with a full day dedicated to mobile and R&D on September 16th. For more information, visit theconferenceforum.org. Thanks, everyone.